From the Bone Vault, coming to you live from Below Midnight Lair. I'm Gil. And I'm Levi. And I'm Justin. And tonight we have our special guest from last week, PJ as well. Say hi, PJ. Hello. Yay! Guys, we watched uh, we watched Get Out, and oh my god, I am so ready to talk about this movie. Uh, but that being said, uh, guys, hit me with some facts. All right. Um, well, I'm gonna go ahead and take this one this time because uh, I was asked to. Uh, <laughs> basically, um, this movie is a 2017 movie, so it's really, really new. This will um, be the most recent film we've covered, then. Yeah, yeah. it came out. Um, I want to say it was April 2007. I did go see it in theaters. Uh, it stars Daniel Kaluuya as Chris Washington, Allison Williams, who's actually uh, Brian Williams's daughter, as Rose Armitage. Really? Uh, I didn't Kester. know that. Yeah, that's his either. daughter. Uh, she's also from um, Girls. That's her other big thing. Uh, Catherine Keener as Miss Missy Armitage. Bradley Whitford as Dean Armitage. Caleb Landry-Jones as Jeremy Armitage, the brother. Uh, Marcus Henderson as Walter. Betty Gabriel as Georgina. And Milton Howery as Rod. Uh, Stephen Root is also in here as Jim Hudson, the museum owner. Um, so this movie is... Uh, is uh, not a very large cast that we have the names for, but there's a lot of other characters that kind of come in and out of screen. Um, and it's a, it's very location-centric on one area. So, um, And uh, Jordan Peele wrote and directed this movie, which is, I want to say is directorial. Wait, 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 wait. Real? Okay, hold on. I saw you had that. Okay, so full disclosure, guys. Justin went to send us a, a, a copy of the script, and it was kind of odd because I think it was a different edit. This is... Peel of Key and Peel? Yeah. Yes. Um, Holy he, shit. He, he, um, he wrote the script about his experiences, uh, more or less. And uh, what basically happened is his wife is uh, another comedian. And um, she's yeah, actually she's, uh, white. Chelsea Peretti. She's yeah, Chelsea on Peretti, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She's Gina. Oh, that's his wife? Yeah. Wow. And, cool. um, you know, he just wrote this about experiences he had had, like meeting people's families over the years and just things like that. And so um, I want to say he did some directing on Keanu, that movie where it was him and um, mm -hmm. Key. But that yeah. was a comedy, and it was a much different tone than this movie. Wow. And, um, so wait, he, so just, he, wr he wrote this. Did he direct it as well? He yes. wrote this right after Obama got into office because of all the talk of uh, there being like a, a post-racial society. Right. And so he kind of wrote it with a different sort of world in mind. And at, over the time and through edits, he finally came into, uh, during the election cycle, last uh, like 2016 election cycle, he uh, finally came to change a little bit, mostly the ending, because of just how he saw society evolving and how he saw these changes taking place where the movie wasn't as um, on top of its message anymore. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's about it to like to round out what the movie is like. Movie is factually like what. So, 
premise of the film. Let's 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 go into that real fast. It, we'll just take the movie and we'll get into the specifics. But the overall scope is: Chris goes with his girlfriend to meet her parents. It's a little uncomfortable at first because he is not certain that uh, it, it, he's like, "Did you tell him I'm black?" And she's like, "Why would I need to do that?" Uh, and over the course of the film, <laughs> you find out that through hypnosis, this family is taking people, specifically black people, and putting white people's mental patterns and physical mind within them to take them over uh, and leave them in this not only hypnotic state where they're buried, uh, but also so that they can control their bodies and continue to live on uh, without infirmity. Just That's the general alert. I wanted to say, uh, you, you kind of like just went through the whole film right there. But early in the movie when they, they're going, you know, there's this, there's a discussion in the department, which by the way, I want to, want to go ahead and plug this right now. The, the movie starts off with a, uh, a sort of stinger where it goes into a, uh, a man walking to the streets, talking to someone on the phone who you can't tell who it is. Right. And, um, he's walking around looking for a house and he gets, uh, kidnapped by a man in a uh, what looks like a Nissan, one of those Nissan GX cars, like an older '90s model car. Right. They knock him out and put him in the trunk, and then it goes through. It, it, during that scene, there's some 1940s movie uh, music playing called uh, "Run Rabbit." The song is the creepiest shit ever, and so it I just really say, was. Yeah. I want to say that anything from the '40s music-wise. Is basically just like scary as shit, or it's a jingle. It's like swinging on a star or something. Is a forty song. Like that was a song back then, not just the opening to a TV show. But I wanted to say that um, they uh, they went into another song, which is sung in Swahili, and then they went into uh, Charles Gambino song, which was um, uh, Redbone. Redbone, and it that that song that was, transition that transition from those three pieces was really well done. And it, was, see, it was jarring and had this great tone to it. And it's funny because you see a transition like that in other movies and it just drops the ball. Like Suicide Squad tried that where they transitioned songs really rapidly at the start of that film. And yeah. the film was just so off kilter from it. But the one last thing I wanted to mention is they go when they're driving to his to her parents house, they get stopped by the police. And it it, lull, it lulls you into thinking, oh, Rose is such a nice girlfriend. Like she sticks up for Chris, oh and, you know, comes God. in. That, in it, reality, it, when you yeah. watch it a second time, you go, you know what? She's just keeping there from being a paper trail. If the cops mm -hmm. ticket him on the way out there, then there's proof that he was going out that direction when he comes up missing. Okay, exactly. if I if I can cut in real quick, I just want to say that Allison Williams and pretty much the whole first half of the scene, the whole first half of the movie is completely lovable like uh i have people constantly tell me like oh this would be like a white girl you would like and she is mm -hmm. totally that white girl right <laughs> <in> the <moment>. <laughs> so, <laughs> like that's she, funny throughout that first half of the she movie was out of me. She, really i she thought she really was, sold that shit i, I, I thought, thought she, she was sweet it. as hell up until the fucking keys incident which me and TJ yeah exactly all the, the way through that movie i was like that shit. yeah all oh the way through God. the movie i was like yeah, yeah i would totally be completely with her and then the keys moment would happen and i would have to flip the script on her exactly the same <laughs> well, it i was something the... to her act it speaks something to her acting ability like i was in i really thought that the parents were messed up that she was free and clear of it like he saw the pictures and she was still acting up i thought maybe she had some hypnosis herself that something that's was what right. i thought too i, I thought, thought, thought too. that she'd been hypnotized Ooh, to do these that. things yeah and then that switch flipped and you saw her just whoosh, 
emotion drain out of her face and i went oh shit <laughs> and, yeah. and the the whole scene when she's talking to rod and she just she's her face is completely she's emotionless she's but stoned. her voice is like someone who's actually concerned like oh my god I, well, he hasn't come home yet like she's really it selling it at that he moment. left yesterday he left his phone here well I'll, here's the, real quick normally we we do go a little out of pattern and jump in and jump out jump and jump out i do want to try to take this movie a little in sequence because i want to i really want to get it's kind, it's kind of silly of me to say this but i want to get y'all's take the, the four of us on all of those conversations at the start of the film when the party started because oh, holy yes. shit yeah i was squirming in my chair through every scene there and i'm like oh my god they didn't say that and, because and, I didn't expect the outcome of this film that came out. I thought it was just going to be a bunch of racist people. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. No, 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 no. I wanted to say that one of the funny things, and I want to say PJ and I had the same conversation. I might have also had it with Ricky uh, because we're all black, obviously. And uh, we, we, we had a discussion basically where it was like we felt that someone had taken thoughts and experiences that had happened to us that were like a secret that no one else had and just put them on screen. And so when you first start the movie and you get into them being at the parents' house, it's like someone ripped a Band-Aid off and it's kind of raw. And I was mm. the only black person in the movie theater when I saw this movie. And, uh, really? I, I take that back. There was, a, there was a white guy with a black woman next to me. But I, it was just the two of us, and it was a, a white and Hispanic theater. And the reactions that everybody else had were more tensely uncomfortable and really frightened because a lot of things that happen in the movie are uncomfortable like even for a and person who's not experienced scary them, as hell yeah it, it, it it's it's a very visceral sort of fear and it's funny because the movie doesn't rely on blood or jump scares early on it just relies no. on this sort of psychological terror because at a certain point you know you're seeing a horror movie like you've you've seen something about this but you're not sure where it's going to go or when it's going to switch over and there's just mm -hmm. enough out of place to where you're like ah, I don't know about this this is a weird situation so if I can cut in for here just a second uh, I want to say that, that there's actually a moment in the movie where uh, Chris's character does the exact same thing like uh, so after the whole dinner with their uh, their brother and he's trying to get him to do like jujitsu fights or whatever <laughs> That was weird. Uh, they're they're uh, back in the they're back in the bedroom, and she's he's sitting there talking to her, and she's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that he would do that." And he's like, "Mm hmm," and she's like, "And then my my dad keeps saying this thing." He's like, "Mm hmm," and that's the moment that I feel like a lot of like people like black people in the movie theater was would have during those awkward moments is that they're like, they're like, "Yep, that's a moment I expected to happen." Yep, mm hmm, yep, that's another <laughs> one. Yep. And I was I was right there with them with all that stuff, and like. I just thought that that was really funny that we got a little bit of him being the audience in that scene. Mm -hmm. That was really, yeah, it was really good. I mean, man, it's so hard not to jump around in this film because there's it really so is. many, so many good. I mean, I was floored by how I felt after this film was over. Just this, just and the, the way it was put together and just. Mm. Well, one thing I'd like to talk about in particular, um, this may be jumping around too much, but um, immediately after I finished the film, I had to go back and look at Chris's interactions with uh, Walter and Georgina because they're the way they speak is so disconcerting when you first meet them. Oh, those actors and, are amazing. Because yeah. mm -hmm. 
they are they are speaking in a way that it should be non-threatening, but it's scary as shit. Mm-hmm. Right, well, we, and it's it's so out of place are. coming. Oh, sorry. No, that's what I'm saying. Adding to your point, Levi, when you find out who they are, that makes it all the worse. (laughs) I know. Right. And and that's why I had to go back and watch it. And I was like, oh, like when uh, Chris is talking to Walter and he's talking about how great, um, uh, what's her name? Rose Rose. is, you know, it's not because he likes her. It's because that's her grandfather. And the reason they speak so oddly is because they're old white people well, and the, it's the other it's part so disturbing that, those that voice coming out of those the, bodies you know the other part about that was the uh the scene that whole scene is the sequence where he goes outside to smoke the cigarette and uh he looks across the field and the music kind of like starts to prickle and he sees walter running out of the woods oh, yes in my head i was like why the fuck is he running like that but when you think back he's a track mm-hmm. star he probably yep. picked this body because he knew it could run. He was like, oh, this he never body got over run. it. He never got over that loss he experienced in the Olympics. And, you know, yep. that that was his that was his driving force for creating this whole thing. And oh, it's funny, uh, the dad actually says he almost got over it. Yeah. Yeah. As one oh, right. That's right. so yeah. effed up. That's so and, and, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Knowing that when you hear that the second time, it's like, oh, that's right. so crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. And, and it's it's really funny because I haven't uh, I haven't really had. Like, it's one of those things I watched this movie, and I actually was like, well, I can't talk about it to these people who I usually would talk about it to. And Ricky's been unavailable because he's also seen it. So I was, like, out hunting for other friends who had seen it to just, like, start talking to them. Um, but it, it's it's the kind of thing that just inspires a sort of conversation. And I think that it, it also it also is a revitalization of, like, horror because – one of the things that he said, Peel, mm-hmm. when he was uh, on the commentary for the uh, the alternate ending, was that he felt like there was parts of horror that hadn't been explored by the horror genre at large. And uh, he says that a lot of this is pulled straight out of uh, Not a Living Dead because there's a black protagonist in that, oh, too. Sh- and he mm-hmm. shot at yeah. the end when they're looking for zombies. By yeah, I thought a about bunch that of like of uh, like white rancher dudes who just come by and just start picking off zombies, and mm-hmm. he said that that was kind of the driving idea behind this was that it was that was that was a very weird commentary to have in that movie, but it also at the time also makes sense for what's happening in the movie and you know just like the Absolutely. racial dynamic in the movie. Well, at what point in the in the film did you guys actually get to the point where you figured out, like, okay, c- coming into the film, I knew this was a horror movie, but I genuinely thought, like, I had read nothing about it, I purposely came in blind because I wanted to be <laughs> taken into the material, and I, I did not expect this level of, like, when they were doing the whole auction thing, I'm like, okay, he's going to be sold oh, off Jesus. to one of these people, oh. and I mean, it, it unsettled me. And the first yeah. time I saw the auction, I didn't realize what was happening. It didn't take until this time watching it again. Yeah, I that, thought they were that, playing bingo too, right? Yeah, yeah my I wife like, didn't get it either. I was like, there was random bingo, and then like for some reason, Chris's picture up there. Oh, okay, yeah. and watching and it, then when he started like, doing oh. the numbers, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh shit, now, the auction is dude off. I don't yeah. understand the numbers still. Like, if somebody could break that down for me, probably that would be great. three million, five million, I'm, or like five hundred thousand. Okay, so you're like thinking that. it's money things because because everybody's bingo card was. A bingo. That's why I was unclear about what was well, happening. Well, they were in different That patterns, was just their auction so could see, Yeah, oh, so you could yeah. see the differences okay. between them. So they could okay. hide it as playing bingo, but they yeah, looked very in a, a Okay, good. Up, see, thank you. Like, thank we're you. We're playing bingo, you know? 
Yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> but and, then his pictures. Just old white weird. people games playing some bingo. And okay. Thank you. That, like you know, if Chris had been there, they would have they, they would have still played bingo. They would have just played it without the picture on the stage, and they would have done it <laughs> in a more open way. But they knew he was still nearby, and they knew that you know it was Rose's job to keep him on site in case he tried to leave or had an right. emergency or whatever. And um, I want to say that the other thing about this movie that that sticks with me is that this is this was the week i want to say the week i had an anxiety attack oh no i had gone to see this and i want to say uh john wick 2 uh, almost back to back it might have been the same before day before or after <laughs> i saw him i think the same day i think i saw john wick no, no, 2 no 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 of your panic attack brother oh, but this, you was, have... this was this was after that um, so your body was like, I hate you. I hate you so much. Like, I just oh. had a panic attack. Are you going to show me this shit? <laughs> and and really? the thing was that get even out. during John Wick 2, I was highly uncomfortable. I had bought the tickets already, so I was like, I'm just going to sit through this. And so I went to a small wow. theater, and it was just it was the most nerve-wracking experience because of the, the content of the movie. But I did catch the auction thing, and there's a lot of other small signs. I want to say that um, even the brothers poking of him during the um, – the dinner was an intentional test of aggression to see how aggressive oh. he was to see if he was strong because if they could if they could find out oh this guy's athletic then the person who wants an athletic body is going to be like well i want that body and right. then if he if he turns it down or fights against the idea of doing you know the fighting or doing something violent like that then the person might be you know i don't want that one i'll, I'll wait till the next one which in some ways is very reminiscent of like the back in the actual like slavery days they would have fights between different slaves and be like oh this guy's like an ox and he would you know be able to he can take down your guy any day and something they'd have like actual ranked fights i honestly don't know if they ever actually that did that so because i know there's that up. mandingo movie and there's the the mandingo. stuff from uh from you did not just that, bring up there's mandingo. that movie <laughs> and then there's Hell, the, the part in dango unchained but i i've heard someone say that it's not really a historical basis for it it, it probably did happen but I think that they're saying that it's not as widespread because one of the things yeah, about I it don't, is that I don't like, know if it's widespread. You, you it, it costs too much. It would be like you fighting two cars you owned. You know, it costs well, too much. People do do that to, dumb shit. I'm just saying, yeah, people are people If are you were rich enough and had enough slaves, you probably would have. You know, and, blown and I mean, people do cockfights all the time. If you if you think of slaves, the same way you think of like chickens, be the same thing are, for you. Was, chickens you know, are really inexpensive though. You can eat the chicken after it's sunfight. So anyway. they did. They did the auction, right? And then you find out who has him or who bought him. As fucked up as that is, I still did not expect what was actually happening when they when he was in the room and he was seeing the TV. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, this is some weird shit that this guy does with his slaves or his people he bought. And then the old guy talks about the process. I'm like, what is he talking about? Mm-hmm. And then literally their conversation. I went. Oh shit! Oh, we haven't even discussed no the hypnotism way. part of this movie yet, which is which is the which is the second eerie thing that happens because yeah, it's so story. unnerving. Like we, his reaction that that what's the name of that actor? The actor that played Chris? Oh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya. He's a he British was actor. on point. He was he, on he point with his isn't reactions. In very much like he's been a kind of jokey side character in most he things. He should he's, be in more because he yeah, was yeah great. he was good. His, his facial skin. expressions were amazing. Like everything yeah. he's like he, everything he said with his face, I was like I feel the same way, dude. 
right yeah. now. He, when he, he started crying about his mom. Like, oh, my God, yes. Uh, I yeah. could not wrap my head around why she was doing that, but she was bringing him to a vulnerable spot so she could yank the rug out on him. Well, well yeah. one of the things is that he was in Skins was like the first thing he did, which a lot of a lot of big-name actors now have come from Skins. Uh, the kid who plays Beast, I want to say, in... Um, in the X-Men movies, and so uh, two Game of Thrones actors right now are all from Skins. Hmm. But um, he was like the smaller character in Skins. He's also on a show called The Fades. It's a British show that didn't get picked up for a second season. It's a pretty good little sci-fi thing. And then he did an episode of Black Mirror, which is also really good. But uh, one, of the, one of the things I wanted to say about the early movie is that when she hypnotizes him, it's very subtle because they talk about the methods of hypnotism. They talk about the watch swinging thing that you all expect to see. And she's right. already stirring the tea. But if you've never seen the movie before, you don't pick up on that sound until it becomes well, apparent what's happening. They frame it like it, it, she had started doing it, but they purposely tone down the sound of the scraping. Yeah. But then you, it escalates and it escalates and it escalates till you hear it and you hear it. And, and it, then they do it center camera. And again, whole audience holy shit, she's putting him into the trance already. And, and the fucking sunken place thing, like, that is the first part where I was like, whoa, what the fuck is happening? Are they oh, sending yeah. him to the shadow realm or something? Like, what's going <laughs> on? <laughs> and at one point, she like she starts stirring the tea, and then she asks the question about, um, uh, do you smoke around my daughter? And she stops. So you get that you get that first sound bite of like, oh, this, the tea is stirring, and you forget it because you just think it's one of those, oh, it's just a sound effect to make make it sound like she's actually drinking the tea and stuff. And then right. they start actually doing it and making it a part of the hypnotism. And it, I thought that was really brilliant. Oh, she was really on point actress too. Uh, oh, yeah, she's amazing. I can't think, again, I can't think of her name. But um, I mean, I every, that, well, that's another thing. Let's take a step back. Besides maybe some of the party goers, all of the main cast in this film were on point with their delivery you felt like these could have been actual characters you felt like these people were not just like some kind of um roundabout like empty character they they embodied this you feel like these people could have actually existed even for their demented nature Mm -hmm. or or brokenness i mean you look at like texas chainsaw massacre and those real effed up families where they got inbreeding and they're silly and they're like these (laughs) over-the-top caricatures (laughs) of these things right well or that or uh, hills have eyes you look at these family mechanisms that exist within these things and you see like literally multiple psychopaths in one place they're usually really broken and really damaged but you look at this family and that's what makes it even more sinister they're believable and they're put well, together they're put together well, like yeah. hell I mean yes. I'll say this like right off the bat and like this is probably the, the weirdest week to be saying this but one of the things that makes the movie like really impressive in terms of like uh, it being a racial commentary is that it does go into this it's saying that these people are not trying to say that blacks are below them. That's the that's the problem. Not at They're all. Putting them on a pedestal. Right. And yeah. you know, nowhere in this movie does anybody say the word nigger. Nobody. No one in this movie well, says no, any racial well, stuff. What? Huh? Well, no, no white person says nigger. Okay, I take that back. Rod yeah. says the word nigger. Rod what? says it twice. <laughs> and, and the and the and the the the, 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 the song Redbone says it twice as well. Yeah. So by by the way, I want to say something about. I don't know if Gil saw the alternate ending. The alternate ending in this I movie is um, is basically it's it goes up to the same point where he gets in the road with um, the with Rose and he's choking her. And he actually does kill her. Like, he chokes her out and kills her right there. Oh, really? And then the police car pulls up, and it's actually a police car, and two cops get out. 
and he gets he, he gets down on the ground with his hands up and they arrest him and then it cuts to six months later later he's in jail and rod comes to visit him and he's like you know the house burned down there's no evidence if we can get you to remember the names or faces you saw in those books or in that closet we can possibly start tracking people down and piecing this whole thing together and Chris is just kind of like, you know, I got him. I stopped him. I, I don't I don't want anything else. It, it's just a, it's a bridge that's too far. We can't we can't get all that. But I, at least I stopped this. And, you know, Rod kind of pushes again to get him to say something. He does. He just tells him, you know, I'm giving up on this this whole thing. And he goes back to his cell and the movie ends. And um, the ending, the ending would have been a pro- like what he said basically was that when he got to the campaign last year, he changed the ending. And the ending would have been a little appropriate, but one of the things that struck me as odd is that it's the most serious you ever see Rod get in a movie that has some serious stuff happening. And it almost felt out of character because the actors were too involved in the role at that point. Like, they were too on point. Like, they shot that ending, and it has its music and everything. And they were yeah. they were invested in it, and they really were serious about it. And so it almost came off as out of character on Rod's part. Can I say... Yeah. Can, so can I cut, cut in real quick the... Uh, so I actually have two notes here. Uh, one is that when the when you see the lights, I did think that it was cops the first time through. Yeah, oh, I did too. too. And that's what they want me you too. to think. I'm like, and I'm like, oh no, oh no. I just kept saying that over and over again. Oh exactly. no. And because I was like, oh, because like, like me, this. me being black, thinking like, oh, this is just really bad looking right now. Yeah, but, but I was also <laughs> I was also thinking that this was like a a statement on the climate in America. You know, in 2016, 2017, is that like. This shit could have been like, okay, he's the Worse. hero of this film, but, but he's it's literally really about to bad. go to jail. Yeah, he's gonna go to jail for this shit. And to hear that that's to hear that that's how it it could have ended completely crushed me. Like I I wrote this I wrote these notes completely independent of knowing that there was a separate script from what you just said right now. And I think that that's hilarious. It, it, uh, it, also it, it's like, you know, he gets up off the street, all right guys, I know what you're thinking. I know how this looks, but uh listen up. Like, cause that's not gonna work. There's no story you could tell that, like, okay, these people trapped no. me. They're gonna cut my brain out and change with someone well, else's brain. Also, just a quick aside too, uh, when she when he's choking her, he does this like little nod to say, as if to say, like, uh, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still gonna choke the shit out of you right now. That was hilarious. But anyway, it's like, uh huh, uh huh. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Go back. Hold on. I wonder if that's a pardon the pun nod <laughs> to when he was in the bedroom and he's on his computer and she's just talking and he's right. like uh-huh right uh-huh. right sure right mm-hmm. i understand you had to you. do it mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway well levi let me ask you this which mm. what was did you have the same oh shit moment that i did when the you had the reveal of of what they were actually doing or did you catch something was well, okay i don't think it's really this earlier in the film well, I didn't really catch exactly what was going on until Stephen Root was talking about, you'll be in the back and I'll be in the front manning the controls or whatever he was saying. Right. Um, because I'm I'm slow to pick up stuff on movies, I'll be honest. You're, you're not slow. I didn't slow. even realize. You're not slow, dude. I don't think anybody picked this up before that, that part of the really? movie. I would but love to have seen I, this I'm in theaters and, ca- and heard people go, oh, shit, in the theater <laughs> when that happened. When Grandma starts trying to claw his eyes out, that – like I didn't realize exactly who uh, Walter and Georgina were until um, Rose said he's got grandma. Yeah, and then I was like, oh Same shit, here. that's why they acted the way they did, and like everything clicked yeah, into everything place right at then. That moment for you. 
Well, yeah. Not, not even Chris at that the, moment. The entirety of it. A note right. on that is, is the grandma thing was one of the most telling moments about him because you could have thought, okay, this guy is just in a rage. He's just killing anybody he comes across. But because of what happened to his mom and how his mom died because yeah. someone left her there, he couldn't leave Georgina in the street. Like, he, he stops, he thinks about it, and he gets out of the car and gets her. Well, you see the flashback when he goes back to thinking yeah. about it, too. And, and, you know, he, he just, like, he couldn't leave someone behind without, and he didn't know who she was either. Like, he really hadn't figured it out, I don't think. Right. All he knew was that she, she he, for all, as far as he knew, he, he could have been like, okay, I know what they tried to do, but she could just be hypnotized. Yeah, I right, had no, right. I had no expectation in my head that that was the grandmother. And something uh, Jordan Peele said in the uh, ending, in the commentary on the ending, was that that is the moment that Chris sort of wins over his demons, because he's been feeling horrible about what he perceives as his fault for his mother dying. And at that point, when he saves Georgina, he's okay. And yeah. that's what he said in the alternate ending when he went to jail is that he was fine in jail because. He finally he had sort got, of he'd hit a plateau. Yeah, he, 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 yeah, he, he fixed the, the wrong that he did. Right. I did want to. And oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you're fine. You're, you're on. You're on. A, you're on a little roll now. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to say next. I just say and. I had nothing else to say. Uh, and the end. I was going to say that um, we do have to do our little Star Trek connection thing. I, oh, I, really? I, oh, what do you? What did you actually find one? Stephen Root was Captain uh, Kavada on two episodes oh, of Next Generation Unification God. Parts One and Two. Oh wow! I remembered that one when I saw him. I was like, That's Holy! He was also in Office Space. Yeah, and he was also on uh, was it uh, News Radio. Oh yeah, yes, that's right. That's right. I always get him mixed that's up awesome. with Rip Torn for some reason, and then, I, don't, yeah, I don't know why. I can that's see that. Racist no, against white people. It, it, is, <laughs> it is. No, I definitely. I can, no, 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 no. I totally get that because I got a total Rip Torn vibe out of him in this movie. So he's the dude on uh, Super Troopers, right? The old captain guy. Is he? No, 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 oh. no, no, no. Or Am I being racist? You're being I don't racist. know. <laughs> Everyone is old white guys. All those old white dudes. Yeah, they look alike. <laughs> uh, I was going to say the most unrealistic thing about this phone, with all with, uh, this this movie with all its brain swapping, is the Windows phones presence everywhere because both Rod and Chris <laughs> have prominently displayed Windows phones. Yeah, at the, yeah. in 2016, yeah. 2017, Windows phones were already dead at that time. Basically. And the pad, the uh, Microsoft Surface. I didn't see that very one. Oh, Surface you, you, you mean I, the I one that um, Rose had? Yeah, they had so Rod, much tech Rod was display. using Chris's too. Well, Ro- pretty Rose had that scene where she's eating the Cheerios in the bed and and Oh my god, that scene was a freak. A last minute thing. Was it Cheerios oh, really? or Fruit Loops? Fruit Loops. Oh, Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops. Because it, it, it was important that they were colored. They said they said that she kept the milk and oh, the wow. and the colored cereal separate. Oh and my. Yeah. Fucking, oh, Speaking of I, colors, I all of the movie. party members were are wearing, wearing black. Red, are wearing red. They're wearing black, but they have on red too. They all have on red somewhere on their person, and he has on blue. He's the only person in blue at that party, and everybody mm-hmm. else is in red. I oh, didn't notice that. So, let God, me ask this. Movie's this. Good. <laughs> let me ask this for uh, PJ and Justin. What did you think when? Um, Chris walks up to the guy. I can't remember his name. He's the guy that gets kidnapped at the beginning of the oh, movie. Oh, the fist bump thing? Yeah, when he walks up to him and he starts talking to him. What did you think uh, as as 
African-American males when well, he walked up to that guy and he responded that way. Well, here's the thing. Like, what I thought was happening, what I was 100% sure they were going to go with the route was that these people were, were basically thinking that blacks are uncivilized and we need to civilize them. And then they were brainwashing them with hypnotism to basically be civilized, like to I did too. To okay. integrate That's what society. I was too. And I think the movie right. does a good job kind of portraying it that way. So that there Pointing is Pointing you in that doubt. direction. Yeah. And right, um, right. that the fist bump thing is actually in the commercial. It's one of the first commercial things I saw and it it, it was it was really creepy and off putting. And I also, it's that. literally me and Justin's uh, emergency yeah. signal. If, if we're ever in a situation <laughs> where like, like, we need to be so sorry, and I that you go to fist bump me, get the fuck out of there. Like, okay. <laughs> this is the international symbol of a black man in trouble. Oh get me the fuck God. out of this place. Exactly. <laughs> Continue, Justin. That's so good. Oh, I mean, that's all I had to say was that that was my, my thought. Um, they, they, went, they went through a lot uh, of trouble to not make it overtly obvious what was happening, to not make there be yeah, monsters they, they or any really chase scenes. They did a really good scenes. job. So I, I had one moment in that. So it's, it wasn't the scene where he first meets, uh, I think his name was Andre in the film. It's, I know it was Andrew. Yeah, it was Dre. They were calling him Dre, Andre. Dre, yeah. okay. So uh, when he first meets him, I didn't really have much. I was just like, oh, this guy's like weirdly hypnotized. But then watching the movie once and then watching it again, uh, so the uh, one of the party goers uh i think his name was mr Ta- uh Ta- tanaka mr the Tanaka, asian dude the asian guy yeah he says uh you know how is it do you do you think do you think that it's harder to be an african-american or it's easier to be an african-american and chris kind of uh. kind of sits with that uh question i think that's what like a lot of black people were like whoa i get i get that question not a lot but enough to where it's just uncomfortable so he was he had that, uh, yeah he yeah. had an uncomfortable thing uh and so then he fields it off to uh, Andre and Andre's like, well, you know, uh, my experience as an African-American has been good. And when yeah. you when you Chris watch looks, the movie Chris again, ro- rolls his eyes. The <laughs> exactly. Hardest. Because you're like, because you're like, uh, no. But when you watch the movie again, you realize, oh, he's a white dude inside of Andre's yeah. body. So, of course, it's going to be easy for him because he's in a situation yeah. where everybody accepts, oh accepts him. Oh, my God. And it was that, that old situation. white woman's husband. It, it's exactly. Like, that, uh, white woman's husband. I, I just know black that. people uh, game from Chappelle's show. And it's like, if you answer <laughs> exactly. that way, it's just like, man, wrong. Like, that's <laughs> wrong. Not, it was <laughs> hard. It's hard. It's always hard. <laughs> but um, I was going to say that uh, what's funny about this is that they, they take such attention to detail. So that things that are, are that yeah. things that happen are 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 there later and they are important, or things that happen before directly affect the later scene. Um, when they hit the deer in the beginning, which is really creepy, and mm-hmm. um, you know that that was the other thing is that you don't know why he's so uh, involved in that deer. Even hitting the deer and leaving it behind, he couldn't like let that sit right in his head like i thought that was an illusion to we were going to have some of the most dangerous game level shit going on in this film like i kind of <laughs> you know did I mean? too i kind of thought it was like an illusion to there just being this danger that he was approaching like a warning from nature sort of thing but I, right. it was more just that like he hit this animal or you know she hit the animal and he couldn't leave it behind but after that scene ends and they, they get done with the police and they're driving away, you can actually hear the headlight that the deer hit sort of rattling in the car. Like, even that mm-hmm. little bit of detail is, is still there. Yeah, the sound this, design in this, this movie is amazing. Man, I just, I, you look at this film, and I compare it to, okay, so 
it, this may, we may get into spoiler territory for a film that I kind of may spoil for you guys if you haven't seen it, but I feel like I have to make this comparison because there's other horror and suspense uh, and psychological horror people out there that would love this film. Have you guys seen the movie H? I've never I don't even know the movie no. H. Mm-mm. Okay, I've heard so, of it, but I haven't seen it. Unfortunately, I have to spoil the film for you, so this comes across. <laughs> um, the I, I, I'm sorry. The H in the in the beginning. Well, let me get this. If you don't want to hear this, fast forward. We'll give a timestamp here somewhere. To avoid a spoiler, fast forward to thirty six minutes thirty one seconds. Um, H stands for hypnotism, because the main hero of the film you find out is the copycat killer that has been doing all of the murders in the in the film through the entire film he's been chasing himself oh wow oh, oh and the guy that's been behind bars that's been talking about oh this is this is not a copycat it's me it's me i'm doing it and they're like you can't you've been here the whole time there's no way you can be doing it he's been the one that hypnotized the main cop to go carry the stuff out and you do not find this out to the dead end of the film and it will make your mind explode that it's feels- a korean horror film Oh, okay. That takes its time meticulously. I have one word for you, time. Gil. Fallen. Oh shit! Yes. <laughs> the angel. Yes. Not the fall angel think movie? about that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I was gonna say that, that movie messed with my mind. There, there's it's a lot of so there's a lot of stuff like that. Uh, this is not a, a, a and as illustrious uh, example, but there's some stuff in the last season of Sherlock that was really creepy, like just. Um, yeah. There's a, a a one point where they're talking uh, across a glass cell like Hannibal Lecter style, and the person inside keeps saying, "Look at the glass, look at the glass," and they're just trying to talk to her and ask her questions. And then the glass is like this the whole time, but you look at it and realize there's no glass there. It's just the signs are kind of set into the wall, so they're standing like there's glass, but she can just walk in and out of that cell at any point. And you know that's that's the kind of psychological thing like. I think that a lot of horror movies don't play with your mind enough. They kind of just yeah, hang on the the, yeah. the shock. Well, so when you have Insidious, when you have uh, Paranormal Activity, well, movies that rely on that jump scare. Which, hey, which, by the way, uh, quick fact for the production studio, or, well, one of the production studios for this movie, uh, Blumhouse Productions does Paranormal, Paranormal Activity and Insidious. So, yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they Oculus. in this. Oculus is actually a movie that plays with your mind more because in that movie you never know what's actually real because the whole thing is you hallucinate things that cause you to kill yourself. And same thing with Bye Bye Man. That, that's a bad example, but it does that same thing. I actually haven't seen that yet. Bye Bye Man's stupid One thing as hell. I, yeah. <laughs> One thing I really appreciated about this movie, taking all the you know social commentary out of it and everything, I loved that he set out like when he figured out what was going on he got the hell out of there and he started killing people when he needed to and he ended up not dying he and rod didn't die um rod came and saved him and in just a a pure surface i enjoyed the hell out of that last however long it was 30 45 minutes Mm -hmm. of him just getting the hell out of there and stopping these people (laughs) and that was and he's smart about it too he's really smart he puts the cotton in his ears to block that sound Oh, uh, now, which, which by I that, will say this: he should have kept it in his effing ears. Yeah. Yes. He I was like, have. Chris, why, what are you doing? The thing, <laughs> someone, someone made the point too to say that uh, it's it's interesting to see a black man in a movie get saved by picking cotton. 
Oh yeah, that, oh, that's, that's when that no. I don't know. I don't know where that quote so. came no. from, but I, I know I heard that wow. quote somewhere. It, it was before, intentional. I thought that was amazing. Exactly. I, I know sure. that was intentional because I was say, I one of the Jordan Peele is very much that kind of director and writer to do that. Kind but of but thing. one of the so things is that if he wow. kept the cotton in his ears, he would have been sort of without a sense going out that's into the true. hallway. And you that's really true. sound, especially in a house where there's no guns and they have to run up on you. Sound is a very important, and they can't shoot you either. They want you alive because they need your brain. Absolutely. And, and so True. sound is a very important, they want your body, not your brain. Sound's a very important. You should have at least put him in his pocket. Yeah. I, I mean, I think <laughs> that I think well, that he, he knew Chris he really couldn't was just not leave. Dumb. Yeah, Chris was not Chris right. was not unintelligent in any part in this film. He was not he was the well, final guy as opposed to final girl. The last but man. He, he the last man. <laughs> no, but he didn't there was no time point in time in the movie where I felt like he was making a dumb choice ever. No. Right. I was never yelling at him other than maybe right. like I thought he should, maybe should have finished off the brother, but then when you see the blood pooling, it's like, no, 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 he's dead. Yeah, he's I actually yeah. thought that when I watched it again, I was like that brother looks like he's really dead. I also and think that the fire he Probably should have put that fire out. I only say that because I don't know that he evidence. Saw it. Hell no, no, the evidence is burned up though. Like uh, everything in yeah, that house. Yeah, but I could see. In, I could see in the whole passion of everything. Yeah, if I'd have been in that dude's shoes, I'd have been like, "Burn, mother, burn." Like two things he could have done smarter was grab that that picture thing from upstairs and put that fire out. But that's that that's those are really <laughs> high level thoughts when you're trying to escape a house where people right. are all trying to kill you, basically. Right. So and I mean, the the wherewithal that he kept within himself when he when he was when he was being stalked like that, the hide, make sure the dad's in the open when he's looking away, kill him quick, right. and then the. Uh, get his body out of the. Uh, make sure it's in here and get rid of this this clunky weapon. Oh, and, and the then when stab. the brother has a hold of him, exactly. When the brother gets a hold of him and he goes to um, oh. put the foot on the door, and you see him time it because he knows well, he, yeah. he, he, it it he does it twice. a couple times. He does yeah. it twice, and then the third time he just right in the leg, and you know <sighs> that's enough to make him let go. And when the mom stabs him, he just grabs the knife and uh, and goes down over it, kind of hold her fist in place. And then doesn't he stick her with the knife that stuck through him? Oh, yeah. yeah. In the yeah. temple. Yeah. yeah. So so talk, stabs her right in the face. That's a very Naruto like those, those deaths, like <laughs> the dad and Jeremy, like those deaths were very brutal, right? But yeah. the mom and Rose, oh, the people yeah. who the people who hurt him the most, I think were very personal. Like yeah. Rose, of course, the most because she, she's deceived him the longest. She's been with him for however long, however long they said in the movie. And the mom was someone that seemed like, oh, very, very nice. And thank you. The very nice and, um, you know, seeming like welcome, welcoming and stuff. And then to be just another part of this whole story. I thought that was really cool. That, like they were able to differentiate that. But in a way that he's still like, I'm taking everybody out. You know? And then, you know, Andre. Yeah. Oh, I, Andre. Wait, just, hold on, hold on, hold on. Something just occurred to me. I think they're siblings. Who? Who? The wife, the husband and wife. Think for a second. Hold on, hold on. Matt, back in the film, when he's watching the video, right, and it's the old guy and he's walking through and he comes around. You see people walk up. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's the no. little. The, no, the, no, no. I'm, I misspoke. The kids you see in there were two, two a little girl, a little boy. The, the, that's the brother and sister. That's Rose for, and Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, also, for some reason, I thought that was the dad, mom, and I'm like, ah. No, too no. much Game of Thrones. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Um, <laughs> the, the other cool thing is that he. When Andre gets the gun and he's been flashed with the the camera, it, you know, his mind goes back right for that split second, and he has just enough uh, wherewithal Walter, to turn and shoot, shoot, shoot her, and then himself. Oh, you mean Walter? Yeah, well, Walter that's Andre. Andre. Yeah, 
No, sorry, that's not Andre. No, Andre's the other person. Walter. Yeah, is Andre the, was the yeah, other Andre's guy. the guy who was at the house who got flashed with the camera originally that showed yeah. us that trick. Oh shit! What happened to him? He went back home with his wife because at yes, that point the only the, person there somebody. was the guy who won the auction. Well, I wonder if Chris and uh, and his buddy went back and saved him. No, I doubt it. Because they're they're black, Gil. They're black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like, they because Which, I think right now, if that were me and PJ, that would be the end of this story. Fuck Andre. It was funny. The end. It's funny you said that because the the last movie we talked about was Big Trouble in Little China, and you both said that if you were uh, Jack Burton, you would have just hightailed <laughs> it out of there left, when everything happened. There'd been no adventure. And I thought about that in this movie because basically Rod says that over and over. He's like, "You got to get out of there. You're, you're sex slave. You're going to be a sex slave. So you're going to be a, a hypnotized sex slave." He did miss an opportunity at the very end of the film. If I can speak to this, um, like basically. Yes, that's that's how every every black person that watched that movie would basically have the same idea. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, there's, there's, so there's some things in the movie that I think I have some uh, personal experience on. Like, because uh, in high school I dated a white girl. For oh, like were you hypnotized two, into being a, into being I, a I uh, host no. for a white? Uh, I, no, I'm kidding. I, no, can, attest, but I were, can attest to this being the most awkward thing because I was there for were, a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah oh, there, no. there were there were certain moments that kind of uh, chimed to, chimed true for me, like. Uh, in the beginning of the movie, he's like, oh, did you tell them that I was black? And I never asked my girlfriend that, but my mom asked me that. She was like, uh, they know you're black. And then when I came back from the first time we were meeting, they were like, did they did they treat you weird? Because her parents were older than my parents, so they know that she right. was, they were in a time that's period a, where That's a pretty big generational things. generational gulf, yeah. Exactly. No. And then I at, hear at one point in the movie, uh, uh, when Chris is talking to uh, Georgina, and uh, he, he talks to her, they have a weird moment. And he goes back and talks to Rose. And she says, he says, I, I don't think that she likes that I'm with you. And Rose is like, why not? And he's like, it's, it's a, a thing. thing. And it is a thing. Like, uh, not all, but some black women have a thing about black guys dating white women specifically. Well, well but that actually, that actually had a different tone, too, in two respects. Mm-hmm. The first part of it is, that's the grandmother, so maybe she comes from a different era where right? it's like, I don't want to see that. Like no, 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 no. No, no, but, 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 but thinking about the movie, I understand where you're coming from, Gil. Like, that's, that's, she's from a further era. era but there's another point. part to her. Remember, the original person that she is... Was a was a black girl that was with Rose because she's the no, last. No, not necessarily picture. because it also could be that they were friends because that's one of the things. No, that I think that was the connotation that they were going. With, I that really everybody think that's in that the box was yeah. someone she everyone was with. in that box. Rose didn't. Rose Rose didn't care about the actual sexual part of the thing. She was. I mean, just I guess that could be the case. Bodies. I don't think I, I don't think that was I don't think they were. I just assume like Justin that maybe she brought her because, friend home because and, the thing was is that he did say that but he did say the commentary kind of applied to friends too because that does happen sometimes with friends. I did want to say that uh, I was I there for that. a lot of PJ's experience and I do remember a specific time about each of those things happening where there was something just really awkward and off kilter. Uh, I know he went to dinner once with uh, his girlfriend and a waitress was there that was black. And she actually came over to the table, and he was alone, and she was all smiley and happy. She left and came back with drink orders, and then his girlfriend was there, and she her tone just changed completely. And then that sucks. I've actually had a family member that was like, "I will not come to your wedding if you marry this woman," because she was white. I I just and it was just so weird. I was like, "That thought process is like you get it from both sides. You get it from both sides." I was going to say the other thing that was really weird was there was a discussion. And I might have been there for this. I might have not. Where if I wasn't there for it, I was told about it in detail. But basically, he had dinner at her house, 
and she was a moderately attractive girl, and uh, she had a, let's just say, a larger-than-normal butt, and uh, her mom <laughs> brought this up at dinner in front of him no. and her, and then no. made a comment about how black guys like black big butts, and it was just... I I I'm, oh I don't remember if I was there or not, but it's which, one of those things that someone Taco Taco doesn't even begin to describe. Yeah, that. I mean, well, someone which, will say that in front this, of you. Bringing that back to the movie, that's exactly what the dad does in the beginning of the movie. He's just like, he, you know, he has all these like little things. Like he's he starts talking about, uh, oh, Obama. I would I would vote for Obama the third time. Yeah. Like it's a oh, it's one so of those weird times. situations that completely happens all the time. I, I actually heard someone recently call that. Uh, what did they say? I think they said it was like suburban racist. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like they don't do anything overtly racist. They don't hate the people, but they say these like small like things that kind of make you just uncomfortable. That make... further, it <laughs> furthers the division when exactly. they're when they're try, they're not thinking about it, but it just further alienates. Well, it, it's yeah. an attempt to make you feel like they're on your side or they're com- or you're comfortable or they're comfortable with you. Or there's a side. Yeah, but it, that's it's, the thing. There shouldn't be a side. There shouldn't be a side. Well, I agree. And with I that. think it's an attempt to make you feel comfortable, but at the same time, the oh, it's so it, bad. it makes this it makes it sort of apparent and kind of like hangs a lampshade on it so that it's just so apparent mm-hmm. suddenly. And Well, it's obviously you, you being the white dude saying it, you're thinking about this. Yeah, I mean... Like, be- it brings it to the front. Like you said, it puts a big lampshade on yeah, it. And, and, <laughs> it's still visible. It, it was already visible, but it, it puts a lampshade on it when you, when, you, when you go there about it and make it about race for this other person. Because it's, you know, it, there's a lot of little things like you go somewhere and someone keeps calling your brother or, you know... <laughs> they just they switch the street slang on you for Gil no does reason. that to everyone, Justin. Don't <laughs> well, worry. I do. I do. I do call. I do call everybody but, brother. Yeah, trust so me. Hulk Hogan and stuff. But I mean, like, if he's a rake, can't call you. Yeah, Hulk no, Hogan can't call brother anymore, or kid, or boy, or any of that. But uh, but but the dad does that in this movie too. He switches to like a uh, like a sort of street slang when he's talking to Chris, and yeah. so, and Rose brings that up at the same time. Well, first, I think that uh, I think it's interesting to point that out that the that the dad does that. But at the same time, Chris isn't that stereotypical. Uh, let you get from no. Hollywood. He's not the stereotypical guy that's, that's dating a white guy or married to a white. No, he's like where it's like, oh well, hi guys, I'm the you know they they have that voice. It's very like uh, <laughs> studious and all that kind of stuff. He he's very much himself. I think in this whole movie, they talk like, like Carlton. Yeah, but I, he, I does, never... <laughs> I, he does he does he does slightly switch it. When he's talking to the parents, but I, but that's not really a well. But when he approaches, thing, when it's a just a but, a, a respect thing for respect, parents, you know. Well, right, right. He does, he does tend to change his way of speaking just a scotch, just minutely when he tries to approach the other black characters in the film. And well, that is we completely all, true. We, we all do that true. though. Um, you know. Oh yeah. We we all I, same like, here. Like we all like drop our voice an octave when we're speaking to someone who's black, typically. Um, and another thing is the dad and the mom, they come off as these really non-threatening, sort of like old-fashioned hippie liberals. And, you know, the dad has that yes. beard and they're, they're, they're like mm-hmm. academia types. I mean, it just it seemed that way about them. And so it, it, it also helps the illusion of the movie because one of the things is that, you know, you can write like that Spike Lee movie where every, every white person is just <laughs> snarling racist and it's just heavy-handed as hell. But you don't really win people over with that because it just it makes it look so bad and it makes it seem too over the head beating you. This is the yeah, movie that yes. honestly, if you watched it and 
you were just watching it for the horror movie element. You still got some enjoyment out of it because I think. Well, like there was never a point in the film where I like I the here's the thing. They buried the lead so well that I was positive. I was 100% positive when I came into this. There's going to be some racist shit in this film. Ooh, they're saying stuff that's racist. And it's not. Yeah, there's, there's it's never, not. There's never a moment where I felt like uh, Jordan Peele was like, white people are bad. Right. No, he's like, these people are no, bad. These people are, are fucked bad. up. These right. people are bad. These people are fucked up, not white people. Exactly. And I right. think that's the important uh, point of this film is that it's like, we, we can talk about race relations and we can separate it from people who are just fucking crazy and these people are just fucking crazy you know and i think the only white people that weren't part of the crazy cult was the cop that stopped them right it was in the entire movie technically steven root because he says that it's not about race he just wants chris's ability but he was still no i just meant part of the cult yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It, I just it meant is a cult every too, white person the in the movie is crazy, except for and, the, and the, to, the cop. To a point you guys were making earlier, I think all, all three of you hit this a little bit, but when you talk about the two characters that could have shown up in this movie, one of them is the the, the black guy that's doing everything just to blend in. And I don't mean the, the, the black guys with a white guy in their body. I mean the black guy that <laughs> has to talk like the, the studious white guy. That guy didn't show up in this film. Right. You thought those guys were that guy, exactly. but that guy wasn't there. No. But then you had the reverse. You never had the white guy that had to be the champion of the black character and be the gateway for the audience in there. Like Jack Burton wasn't in the other film. There was never a white person in this film that you felt had to be the vehicle for that. Or I mean, there was never like the Chris, white person that was like, like Rose wasn't hood or anything like that she wasn't trying exactly. to speak any slang. she was she was a she unique she ger- genuine character and, and he spoke how he spoke you know I, I think it's the failing of hollywood that one of the big things they always try to do is they try to shove characters in the movies not even just like about a white character but just about a certain character to kind of lead an audience into a world that doesn't need to be mm-hmm. there uh we saw yeah. it happen to the the uh, the dark tower movie they didn't need that kid in the movie. I didn't see the movie, but I mean, when I saw the preview, I was like, they don't well, need that kid. They just, they could have the, just. He was part of the original story. Yeah, but it, it looked like they gave him more of a bigger role. And that's one of the things they do in a lot of movies is they, they try to, they try to create this fiction out of a source material that's not there. The Giver movie, they made the romance thing played up a lot. That's not there in that book. I didn't see that and, one yet. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think Hollywood just needs to let things stand on their own and be trustworthy. You know, they don't trust mm-hmm. the Ghost in the Shell story, so they mess that up. They don't trust this, and they mess that up. More often than not, well, I mean, when a story stands on its own feet, it's really rare that Hollywood meddling fixes a story. The one example I can think of is um, Children of Men. That book is terrible, and the movie somehow <laughs> pulled what it is out of that terrible fucking book and made a good movie. But I think that a lot of time, it's just it's a trust issue. It, it makes a yeah. bad situation worse. Mm-hmm. It makes the Joker, it, who already was kind of iffy, like just be sort of part of the movie, tacked on, and they don't trust the director and his vision. And I think that whoever took right. Jordan Peele in and trusted him with this movie, they really were just it like excellent choice. It, it was an excellent, excellent choice excellent because choice. that's a gamble. Like when people see an actor like Chris and an uh, actor like D- Daniel Kaluuya in a movie, they see that and they go, "That's a black movie," and they just don't go see it. And that's that's the risk mm-hmm. you run for that. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is, and to trust that it wouldn't end up like that, they took a big chance and it paid off. And, they I, did. and I think big chances pay mm-hmm. off when Hollywood's willing to take them and actually stand by them. Yeah, Hard that's the key, the though. 
You have to stand by it, though. Yeah. You can't uh, mess with the formula after yeah, you've you started it. Yeah, you can't start backpedaling or bringing a second director to re <laughs> to yeah. rehash all this stuff. Right, it, it, it happens so much, and it, it's. I, I think that I think that what like we we discussed this before the podcast a little bit. Um, that there's this discussion going on this week. Of course, you'll be hearing this, you know, in October. But there's a discussion going on right now that uh, Rotten Tomatoes is ruining Hollywood, that their aggregator uh, of critic reviews is ruining Hollywood. And that might sound valid to some people until you look back in the 80s and they said the same thing about Siskel and Ebert. The difference is, is that Siskel and Ebert were two critics, and this is all the critics. And Rotten Tomatoes in the last two years has almost doubled its uh, its its fan base and people who come to the site because they started to take in... Because they trust it. Well, it's not just that. They started to take in smaller-time critics. Like, I know a guy who writes the reviews that go on Rotten Tomatoes, and he's just an internet, internet reviewer. But what makes a big difference is that people find out that when they go to that site and look at something, they can trust it because it's more or less a general audience ideal. Now, it's not always true. I have definitely had my movies that were, you know, 30% on Rotten, and I, I was okay with them. But there's also the other side. I've had those 90% on Rotten that I'm not okay with. Like me and the movie Logan. I don't like Logan that much. I wasn't that impressed by it. But a lot of people oh, were. Oh, man. And I, th- I would love to have that conversation. <laughs> we might one day. <laughs> deadly. But I, I think that uh, I think that one of the things about it that makes it make that makes this sort of stand out is that this movie was universally liked. It has like a hundred percent on Rotten. Um, it doesn't have as good a Wait, score. Wait, whoa, whoa, time, 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 time. This film has a hundred percent. It's like on a ninety-nine, maybe now, but it was a wow. hundred. Wow! And um, now, now wait, now wait. Really it deserves happy. it. It deserves because it was an yes. excellent film. I was genuinely unsettled. But but what but the thing about this is that like the the things that are getting the hundred percents right now, uh, this movie, Dear White People, and uh, Atlanta all came out around a high nineties, all 100%. three things I love, and and I didn't <laughs> see Dear White People. I've seen the first few episodes of Atlanta. But what's interesting about those is that those movies are taking perspectives that are not usually seen by the greater audiences, and showing them. And I think that that's what's going to yeah. save Hollywood. It's not. Uh, just finding a way to pump more gold out of the superhero movies. I love superhero movies, and I think that they're a great thing that they have become kind of our action movie replacements. But at the same time, I think that if they rely on that too much to make money and they don't rely on these smaller budget uh, ideas that are taking a chance like this, they're going to lose out because critics do like these. Just just to cut in real quick, uh, right now, as of today's recording, Get Out has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. I've yeah, never it dropped 1% amazing. at some point. I've never That's amazing. seen that. I never oh, I have. Um, I, I want to say that Zootopia was at 100 for a while, too. Like, there are things out there. Did you see Zootopia, like though? Family. I did not it see was a good movie. It, it was a really it's good just, movie. It's just racial commentary once again. Like, it's another yeah. thing. That's like it, It's even more heavy-handed than this, I think. And, yeah. and one of the things about it is that, like, people just are tired of Hollywood kind of pampering them and, and bullshitting them and saying that you're too sensitive to see this. You're too, you know. Th- I think so we're looking at a generate. I think we're looking at a generational difference, though, too, Justin. I think people people of our age category are, are coming into the part into the. We're finally getting to the point where we're not, you know, I'm in my mid 30s. People finally kind of consider me an adult when I have a conversation. <laughs> not me. Um, not you yet. Not yet. No, I'm, but I mean, I'm I, a I, I, I mean that 
<laughs> but I mean that seriously. Is is I, I think that we're to the point where people are that are around about our our thirty to thirty five age category are in. I don't want to say the majority, but we're we're finally part of the bigger discussion, and people take validity with what we say to some extent. And I think that when you have these ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes like that, that's because we get it. We're part of the generation that looks at it and goes. Yeah, mm-hmm, what they're saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to tell you guys. But, uh, There's no dividing but line. I think that we like this because it's calling it out. There's still your like Mel Gibson's out there and your you know Bill Mars who run around and, and pan the fact that we make superhero movies and the fact that those get such big numbers and they pan the fact that Bill Mars is a crotchety old fuck, <sighs> just like Bill. Yeah, Murray, like. I, I mean, like Bill Mar, I. I me, I have a bad. Just <laughs> my dad makes me watch Bill Maher all the time, and I just get tired of that shit. Uh, but uh, but the thing my parents is, were Bill O'Reilly, so yeah, I feel your well, pain. Well, that's that's pretty bad too. I was gonna say that the, the <laughs> thing the thing that the thing that um that makes it such a a weird thing is that my theater wasn't young. My theater was not. There was a couple behind me that that had to be pushing eighty, and the thing was is that everybody in that theater had a similar experience they all had this sort of for like a hour and 44 minutes we were all in it together and it, it was uncomfortable there was gasped there was people actually frightened and that's the earnest thing about this is that's that so good you go into movies and they the the one thing is that you know the theater's expensive it's a shitty place the floors are sticky you know, it's hot, it's too cold, it smells funny, the food's expensive. But one of the things that the theater has that you just do not get out of the home viewing experience is that you go to people you do not know and you sit down by them and you watch a movie and you have your own interpretations of what's happening it's on the screen. It's a communal experience. And it's a communal yeah. experience that you just don't get anywhere else. You know, we don't have that in mm-hmm. video games anymore. We don't sit down and play together. We don't read books together. Dude, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I can I can throw my headset on and play Dragon Ball Z and get yelled at by 13-year-olds. Oh, yeah. I, I, like I want to get called <laughs> weird racial slurs on Overwatch and then you know, have someone tell me that they're going to not finish the game out and just stand around and walk in circles to keep from disconnecting. Just stop playing PUBG with Pootie Pie. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. go. (laughs) (laughs) Pootie Pie yelled Rachel Slurs at me. But no. um, I I recently (laughs) finished watching uh, Key and Peele, their variety show or whatever. Variety right. show? Hold what up! You, what, what, the, what, what the hell do you call that it's show? It's a like sketch, one of those sketch I mean, comedy a variety show. Variety show is like what Sharon Sunny did. It's like Sunny a sketch did. comedy. There you go. Sketch <laughs> comedy. There you go. And so <laughs> variety show. I just finished. I just finished watching. It's a variety of sketches. That's all I was thinking of. Okay. Variety. So show. wait. So now, ju- now get people are going to get on Twitter and have fights with Justin because they liked Laugh-In and they think he's a fucking idiot. Okay, great. So <laughs> I finished. I love Laugh-In, but Key Peel is not a variety <laughs> show. I agree. Yeah, it might not be. I finished watching Keen Peel, to me. and Stop it. I see a lot of Get Out when I was watching Keen <laughs> Peel because they have a lot of those moments where they're like, yeah, there are a lot mm. of those horror moments or like they have well, a sketch and it like does a twist at the end or it has something. The two of them are just brilliant with their writing. They are just they are literally just like some of the most like when you watch that content, it's just framed so didn't well. They meet, it's written so didn't well. Didn't they meet on Matt TV's audition set? They came to audition together they, and they had met to on act. Matt TV at some. Well, point. they had to act on their audition tape together and basically Matthew was like we can't take one of them because like this relationship is what makes these two work and they took them yeah. both at once as one person basically they, they, they took they, them they're just great yeah and, and there's there's those times where you get a comedy duo or a group 
that just works. And they, I'm honestly shocked that he didn't show up in this movie at all. Like, I'm shocked that there was Shit, no I, cameo or anything. Ah, uh, that would have been jarring. That yeah, would have been pretty jarring. Yeah, it would have been a bit much. It would have felt like one of those sketches because a lot of the sketches ended up <laughs> yeah. being some something like a. Like they take something familiar that you're used to, and then mm-hmm. they kind of throw something, they throw a wrench in it, like right. So, oh, what are you talking about? They and empty they a garbage like can movies. over it and go, ah, huh? the D and D sketch. That's great. Or, or, or the like black guy takes over the D and D game. Or all the sketches where they have the uh, the two. Uh, 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 valets just talking. Oh, the yes. valets. And so the valets like they go back and forth, and at the end of the thing, they go, "That was my shit," and then <laughs> they explode or something. <laughs> well, the, uh, I think the Carl Winslow one is one of my favorites. Yes, yeah, that was oh a good God. one. The, um, now you're gonna make me go on YouTube after this and just watch skit after skit after skit. One of the skits. Well, if you're gonna watch that, watch the pirate uh, shanty. That was oh no, no, watch like, the skit about the uh, the guy who won't sit in the chair. Who just basically like refuses to sit papers. down because because sitting down is for is for oh, yeah. He's like, I'm too hard to sit down, Holmes, and he's standing against the table. I'm just gonna stand right here, and like he <laughs> he gets injured, and he's like, No, Holmes, don't don't do anything. I'm just gonna bleed out right here, and like he won't go to heaven at the end. Like it's the craziest yeah. thing. I do wonder how much of like that that uh, sketch comedy was an influence into this movie though like it, it feels a lot yeah. like this movie in some ways yeah. it, it kind of worries me about his future because I was like I could see him becoming that that um, sort of Jim Carrey type where he just kind of leaves comedy behind and this becomes his thing because like two years ago this guy was doing Keanu and chasing a cat around for two hours and it was funny this movie still I had would funny be fine moments, with that though. I, would be fu- I would be completely it, fine it does with have that funny if he moments. just went into yeah, but I mean, if he stepped into and really made stuff like this that was like a legitimately, you walk away from it thinking and you walk away from it unsettled. This is why this movie is a blazing uh, pyre example of exactly why I like suspenseful horror movies and real psychological horror. Real. Yeah. Not jump scare bullshit. Jump scare. This movie. Yeah. Jump, that's crap. Yeah, jump scares this are terrible. That's why I stopped great. watching horror for the longest time. The, the best jump scare jumps. I've yeah. ever seen still was that one from White Noise with a truck passed by a camera too close. It wasn't meant to be a jump scare. It scared the shit out of me in the movie theater, though. I, I, I audibly <laughs> screamed in a movie theater over the last jump scare. <laughs> the last jump scare I thought was good was from Signs when at that uh, No, do not Mexico, mention the one with that girl screaming oh, in the theater. Well, guys, the we're going to call it a close for tonight. We're going to put the nail in the coffin because we're never having PJ on the show again. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, what, what was the scary talking about? PJ? I, I, I think you're talking about the same thing I'm talking about. We saw the movie no, together. I don't think so because there's the there's like this video from like a party in like uh, I think yeah, it was from when Mexico, the alien Mexico walks across the, the and the screen, alien walks really? across this like little pathway. And every single time I looked down the hallway in my house, I fucking saw the alien <laughs> and I got scared as <laughs> shit. So that freaks that. me out well, too. Yeah. Well, well yeah. what's funny about that is we we saw it in the same movie theater in Alvin, Texas, shitty theater. Anyway, this girl, (laughs) like, in front of us, they show the tape once, and then they back it up and show it again. She somehow screamed on the second time, not the first. <laughs> no. I was like, are you okay? Well, it's because she was looking at her phone. Yeah, she wasn't. Uh, it was 2003, was, was so phones. she wasn't looking at her phone, phones. I hope. No one was getting texts yeah. at that moment. They yeah. were just getting calls that didn't know who it was from. Her back phone was <laughs> in the seat you next couldn't to her. Identify. <laughs> but, but I was well, gonna... guys, I, th- I really, I really do think with that, we could probably go ahead and put the nail in the coffin and go to final thoughts. Um, Definitely, Justin. Since you were literally about to na- to to uh, go for it, go for it, man. What do you got? Last final thoughts on the movie? Uh, I the movie is uh, it's amazing. I I don't know how else to put it. 
Um, it's one of my favorite movies I've seen recently. I, I did see this in a block of decent movies, though. I saw, like I said, John Wick and I saw Logan all in that same two-week span. But what's interesting about this is that this is the movie I wouldn't have gone to see. Like, I, I just don't, I don't go out to see horror movies unless there's a reason, a girl or someone wants to go see it with me. But I, I latched onto this because of the, the director, because of the reaction by critics early on. And it paid off. And I think what's what's interesting, like I said before, is that it it for me was a personal sort of experience where it felt like, oh, you're not so alone because someone's had these same experiences. And these aren't just the experiences of one person. They're the experiences of a lot of people um, and not just people that are black versus white, people that are poor versus rich. Like you have these experiences where you go somewhere and you're out of place and they know you're out of place and you kind of feel cornered. And it's. It, it's it's scary even without the the brain swapping plot line uh, and and it it could have it could have easily been one of those the office UK style uncomfortable comedy movies that just sort of was an uncomfortable dark humor and it took that extra step to be um, sort of off the rails and crazy at the end and it, it just it works it really works well said what about you Levi um, I don't want to follow Justin. <laughs> um, no, everything Justin said, this movie is very amazing, and I was very pleased with it. And I appreciate the way that the film was marketed because it didn't oh, yeah. reveal what the movie was about. I was looking at the tagline at the top of the wiki article, and it's just because you're invited doesn't mean you're welcome. And that has pretty much nothing to do with what happens in the movie yeah but it 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 interests people enough to get them there i guess and i'm so glad that i got to watch this movie and then talk about it because um i think it was justin at the beginning of the podcast was saying you kind of have to talk about this movie with people yes and i think that is the greatest things films can do is make people discuss things and talk about things and leave some things uh you know, to discuss after the film, not spell everything out to the letter. And this film does an excellent job of putting little breadcrumbs there for you to pick up if you see them along the way. But if you don't, the next time you watch the movie, you can enjoy those little moments because you know what's happening. So, yeah, I think it's a finely crafted movie. And bravo to uh, Jordan Peele for making this film. Absolutely. Very well said. Uh, PJ, what do you got, buddy? Okay, so I think Get Out is a an absolute masterclass of horror. Uh, it it plays on a lot of classic horror tropes. There's like a, a, a bunch of classic like uh, musical cues. There's a bunch of classic shots and scenes that you would see from it. And it's it doesn't have to rely on something being supernatural or just like unknown to be scary. There's everything is within the realm of reality. Honestly, in this movie, like yes, we don't have the science to do it all, but there's no science saying that we can't do it all just yet right now. Um, it isn't frightening because of like jump scares. It sticks to what you want to see in the movie. Uh, it touches on a lot of racial tones, and but not in a way that makes any one race the bad race. It makes characters bad characters, but not the race bad characters. Um, I personally connect to it in a lot of ways because you know of my personal experiences, and I think that it. Uh, I think that. It, I can see a lot of how Jordan Peele's experiences fit into this because, you know, he's half black, half white, and um, he's married to a white woman and how all that kind of plays into it all. 
there's no resentment in this movie, and I think that's what I like about it so much is that it's 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 kind of talking about our differences in a way that we can all discuss it without having to feel like I think you're the bad guy right now, and I enjoy that. Well said. Well said. I look. <clears throat> I, I don't know that I could actually say it any more well or thorough than you guys, so I'll just say this. There are very few films that I've watched in my total career as a horror fan and someone who loves to have the crap scared out of me but has not had something to scare me in a long time. Right. This movie genuinely scared the shit out of me, and that says something. Um... I highly recommend it. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. If you have not seen this film, please sit down, pop the earbuds in, turn the lights off, and watch it. You will be genuinely unsettled by the now end that it's of the film. completely spoiled. Now that it's completely <laughs> now spoiled, spoiled. <laughs> for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's the thing. I think even with beyond that, I think you will still that hi- yeah. just the hypnotism scene alone, where he drops away from himself, is terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. It, it, I'll echo PJ real fast. Masterclass film. So with that, we'll go ahead and call it a wrap for the night, guys. Um, Justin, anything you want to plug at the bottom of the show? Um, at CTK86 on Twitter. At Lens of Justin on Instagram. Uh, that's about it for me. <laughs> really, it's always that's always how it goes with me. Hey, no, always get it out there, man, so people can have uh, online fights with you. Um, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> PJ, what do you want to plug, buddy? Uh, so I have a podcast called The Geeky Speakeasy. We air every other day so on Wednesday at 9 a.m. on other Google. Week. And every other week, sorry. Every other week at uh, 9 a.m. on Google Play and iTunes and at 9.30 on thegeekyspeakeasy.com where you can find our Instagram posts and everything, uh, which is also underscore geeky speakeasy. Uh, you can find me, uh, the podcast on Twitter at underscore geeky speakeasy, and you can find me on Twitter at Pac-Man PJ and uh, Jordan Peele is my Patronus hashtag <laughs> <laughs> Levi where can they catch us on the web or where can they catch you on the web well they can catch us on the web uh, they can email us at from the bone vault at gmail.com and you can also catch the show on Twitter and Instagram at bone vault for me personally, you can catch me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Garage Movie Guy, and you can check out my YouTube channel where I give little short, less than 10-minute movie reviews, um, Garage Movie Reviews, and hopefully when this comes out, I'll be having some Halloween movies coming out shortly. If not, you can just check out the other movies I have there, um, and that's about it for me. Nice. Well, all roads lead back to Midnight Layer, guys. Uh, you can go to uh, www.midnightlayershow.com uh, to gauge progress on the Midnight Layer t- television program, which we will be filming very soon. Yes. Um, and we are beside ourselves excited. Uh, and then also, you know, this podcast at, uh, you know, all the same information Levi already provided. <laughs> With that, I think we're going to call it a night. As always, I'm Gil. I'm Levi. I'm Justin. Good night and stay scary, everyone. A real doggone keeper. On the farm, every Friday, on the farm, it's rabbit pie day. So every Friday that ever comes along, I get up early and sing this little song. Run, 
Bang, bang.